Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211, Renault and Dacia range. Get your car delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. It's the Kelly Show all the way today. Yes, your presenter surname, Kathy Kelly. Yes, 15 million books she sold worldwide is with us about her new one. It's called Other Women. Sinead Kelly is here. If you have any questions for Sinead, she's brilliant. You know, she can answer anything about your pets. She is a vet, of course. If you have a question, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now or 1850 if you'd like to call in. Maria Flynn from Ballamacken farm oh she's over the moon we'll tell you why later and I continue my story about Glenn Campbell and play another of his classic tunes but we begin on late lunch again this Tuesday with Professor Paul Moyner he's head of the Department of Biology director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University and he must have a pain with us ringing him at this stage since it's nearly 13 14 months Paul we're very grateful thanks for joining us Always good to chat, Terry. Thanks for taking our call again today. Anyway, Paul, I was just thinking, 364 cases per day now on average, the lowest for months. Hospitalisations way down, 183. ICU down and steadily falling as well to 50. Those are the latest figures. Your seasonality theory is being proven. Well, maybe the end of the that, Terry, but ho- hopefully it's the, it's the start of it. Uh, so as you say, the numbers are going in the right direction. We're trending in the right direction. Certainly, I would tend to look at sort of average weekly figures, and those average average weekly figures are coming down. So that seven-day average is coming down. As you say, good news on the hospitalisation, especially those in ICU coming down. So, uh, yeah, good signs, and hopefully that will continue, Jerry. and hopefully by the time we get into, you know, late May, June, we'll be in a really good place. I'd certainly be hopeful uh, of that. Despite, you know, us hearing today about this Indian variant now, uh, it's come from India, three cases found in the country. You know, we've heard of others, the Brazilian as well, South African. Uh, you know, it's is that a worry or is it just par for the course? Yeah, it is sort of par for the course now at this stage. So, like, the variants, we need to be vigilant of them and we need to, first of all, be aware of them and do very close monitoring and surveillance, which we're doing. So it's a good thing that we're actually uh, picking them up. So that, that that's a really good thing. But there are lots of these variants around. and There's been a lot of, you know, people getting quite scared about them in terms of what they've heard about the variants. And I think probably there's been probably an over-focus on these um, in the sense that 
I haven't seen any so far that can completely, you know, escape the vaccine or escape immunity from previous infection. It may be possible for some of them to get around one aspect of immunity, which are these antibodies that protect us against infection. So we may need sort of higher levels of the antibodies to protect us. But there's another layer of immunity that we have called T-cell immunity, and it's going to be very difficult for the uh, variants to get around that. So even in situations where maybe somebody was vaccinated or had been previously infected and maybe are subsequently infected with a new variant, uh, I'm surprised if they're going to end up very severely ill or if that's going to become a very common feature because that other part of immunity, that T-cell immunity, tends to stop us from getting very sick and helps in the elimination of the virus from the body. All in all, I think the, some people have said, you know, this is the year of the, the variant. I, I would I would look upon it very differently. I would say this, this is the year of the vaccine and the vaccines. Um, so I'd be much more positive about it, and especially in terms of how well the vaccines are working and will continue to work. The uptake is really strong, which is encouraging. I've been looking at the figures in the various age categories. 17 new mass vaccination centres about to open. We are certainly stepping up now, and it seems the supplies are coming through and we're going to get even more. Um, can you? Can I ask you about the clotting issue just for a moment uh, with the AstraZeneca? And it is a very small number, but even even one is a tragedy for that particular person, you know, if they get a, a reaction to it. I've had a number of listeners on to me since you were with me last week to say, would you ask Paul, has he concerns if somebody has a clotting issue or a blood disorder, you know, should that be factored in, you know, uh, when uh, ahead of the vaccine, should you say it to your uh, who's giving you the vaccine or have you a choice? You don't really have a choice uh, in, in the sense, Jerry, that, you know, the age group's the different vaccines are indicated for the, the different groups. First thing I would always, you know, if you have any concerns on that front, in terms of, you know, get advice, chat with your GP, and they will certainly advise you appropriately. More generally, I would say, so when we started to roll out these vaccines globally, uh, there were clotting events uh, identified. When you look at the frequency of those, these are sort of more regular, more common types of clotting events, like pulmonary embolism, like clotting in the lung, deep vein thrombosis in the legs. But when you look at the frequency, it's no different from the background population that hadn't been vaccinated. But then with the AstraZeneca one, there were these rare forms of clotting, clotting in the veins, draining the head, the spleen, but very, very rare, maybe one in 150,000. And of those, maybe one in 10 would die. So you're looking at maybe a one in a million. Um, so very, very uh, low risk. If you look at then the benefits to the risk, the other thing that should be said is that these rare events tend to occur in younger people under the age of 50. So if you look at the benefit-to-risk ratio, it's still and the EMA continue to recommend use of these across all age groups and that the benefits clearly outweigh the risks. As you get younger, that window between benefits and risks tends to narrow a little bit because as, as you go down in age, the risk of severe COVID decreases but the risk of these rare clotting events increases, albeit they're still very, very rare. And as a result, a decision has been made to limit these to people over the age of uh, 60. I myself think that we could end up with a situation where, so the Johnson & Johnson, that has been paused at the moment because some of these rare clotting events have also been associated with that. If that emerges, we could have a situation where the Johnson & Johnson also limited the over 60s. If that is the case, we're due in about a million and a half of those doses over the next two to three months. And in the 60 to 69 age group, there's about 400,000 people. So if you use 400 doses of the Johnson Johnson, which 
is single dose. We could be looking at a situation where we've over a million doses that were not of vaccine that we're not going to use. That's unimaginable in a situation where the benefits outweigh the risks. So even though an abundance of caution has been used, but I think we need to be really very careful and look into that. But that is given as a reason as for abundance of caution. We need to make sure that that is truly because the risks outweigh the benefits, which in this case is not the case. The benefits outweigh the risks. So I would be very much in favour in terms of vaccinate. These are good vaccines. They're safe vaccines. Vaccinate as many people as quickly as possible. Possibly look, for example, with the AstraZeneca and the Johnson and Johnson, maybe in terms of giving that to lower age groups as well. So, But again, that remains to be seen, and NIAC will advise on that. The uh, vaccines work in different ways, as you explained before, you know, with the uh, Oxford vaccine uh, introducing the coronavirus gene into the human cell. It makes the spike protein and uh, the immune system responds, whereas the Pfizer and Moderna uh, is different. It's the mRNA, which introduces a messenger sequence into the body that contains the genetic instructions for the vaccinated person's own cells. Is that significant that there hasn't been a clotting issue uh, with the Pfizer and Moderna? Yeah, possibly. So, so all the vaccines there to give, so for example, the RNA, as you say, the genetic instructions there is in the form of RNA. That's actually RNA. That's the form of the genetic material in the virus itself. So they just give you that little bit of genetic material and it's just put inside a capsule of fat, basically. And that is what the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines actually are. But the AstraZeneca is a little bit different. They take the genetic material, the RNA, they convert that into DNA. And then in order to get that, instead of using a capsule of fat to get that into the cell, they actually put that piece of DNA into another virus. And in the case of the AstraZeneca, it's an adenovirus that normally affects chimpanzees. So that's called an adenoviral or a viral vector approach. Uh, with the case of Johnson, Johnson uses a very similar approach, an adenoviral approach. And so far, these are the only two ones that seem to be associated with these very rare clotting events. So it may be associated with the use of these adenoviruses. But again, that level of detail still hasn't been fully uh, elucidated. They're looking now at maybe what's the, the basis to these rare events. The, 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 there's something similar that sometimes people get when they're given heparin. Heparin is a blood thinner. It prevents uh, blood coagulation. Very rarely, ironically, even though heparin is used to prevent coagulation, it can induce coagulation and clotting a little bit like these uh, uh, vaccines. And they're looking to see if there's common mechanisms there. So that's sort of where the research is going at the moment. Mm. The good thing about that is that we know more about that. Maybe we've got a way of treating these. And there's a suggestion that there is, even for these rare events, there is a treatment, and we call it immunoglobulin treatment, that could actually be used even for these very rare cases. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether you've heard the news there today that two fully vaccinated staff members at Dalgan Nursing Home in Dundalk have tested positive. They had no symptoms at all. Uh, you know, they don't feel uh, unwell with it. They've been vaccinated. Everyone in the home vaccinated at this stage. This will happen, will it, Paul? Okay, it can happen now quite quite rarely. Um, so again, I don't know the, for the individual specific cases, but certainly so when you're vaccinated or you've been previously exposed to the virus, you end up getting generating an immune response and there's two types two arms to that immune response first of all you make antibodies and the antibody sort of stops the virus from infecting your cells but then there's this t-cell immunity and what they do is they will kill the cells that are infected by the virus 
As I said, some of the variants may be possible and remain to be seen that might be able to bypass the antibody arm, but it's going to be very difficult for them to bypass the T-cell immunity arm. So in those situations, maybe there's a possibility you could be reinfected, but in most of those cases, you won't even be aware of it because that T-cell immunity will kick into play and eliminate the virus before there's even any obvious uh, symptoms. So I'm not sure specifically in these cases, but you may have very low, some of the numbers coming out now when they begin to look at the very large number of people people who have been vaccinated, there's very, very, very small numbers that are reinfected. And even when these are reinfected, you know, as you say, either like without symptoms, are very, very, very mild disease. The delaying of the second shot has been a debate, but Dr. Ronan Glynn came out last night and said he's not particularly in favour of that. He'd like to see things proceed with the interval between first and second shots as had been proposed. Have you a, a thought on that? I do, yeah. I probably disagree on that one, Jerry. I think there's a case to be made for uh, giving out to first, vaccinate as many people as possible to first those for a number of reasons. We know for a number of these vaccines now that they actually work really well uh, as a single dose. Even the second dose, yeah, probably increases the efficacy, but that goes from 80 up to 95%. So you're faced where you have a problem of limited supply of vaccine. Do you give, like, everybody a single dose or do you give half the people uh, two doses? So, in my, in, and I think all you have to do is look really at the real-world data in places like the UK have decided to go down the road of increasing the duration between the first and second dose and look to see how effective that is. Like last year, I think there's one death in the UK. So this 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 uh, approach whereby vaccinated vaccinated as many people as possible with the first dose, I think clearly that is working. I can even Ronald Glenn in terms of his argument, I can see that from the point of view that for the Pfizer and the Moderna, the trials were and all of the data coming from the trials was based on that three or four week interval. Yeah. But we now know that these first doses, and if you look, for example, at the Johnson Johnson, the Johnson Johnson is a single dose vaccine, and it's very similar to the AstraZeneca. So we're probably going to be prepared to give a single dose vaccine anyway. So in my view, uh, I think the advantages where where the risk, I'm not even sure what the risk, if there is any meaningful risk, I think there needs to be much more focus on vaccinating not only as many people as possible today, but the thing that is lost in all of this is time. We seem to be end up where we're fixated by these dates, for example, the end of June and vaccinating, you know, eighty percent with the first dose. Got good news last week in terms of another five hundred thousand at the Pfizer and it was saying, okay, this will address some of the problems created from the AstraZeneca and the pausing of the Johnson Johnson. But my approach would be why not use that as a bounce and use all of the vaccines, and instead of being fixated by the end of June, why can't we vaccinate everyone with first dose by the end of May, or vaccinate 100% of the population by the end of June? I think there needs to be more urgency around this, and more evaluation of risk, evaluating that risk and that low risk, and then, you know, managing uh, that risk. So, I'd probably a little bit different though, Jerry. Okay. I'd be very much in favour in terms of, at a time when the level of transmission of the virus is still significant in the community, vaccinate as quickly as you possible as as quickly as possible because these vaccines work. Paul, thank you as usual for joining us on the show. Appreciate your expertise always. Very welcome, Jay. Take care of yourself. That's Professor Paul Moyner, the head of the Department of Biology, Director of Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. 
Would you give somebody your last Rolo? Ah, oh, Louise, thank you so much. <laughs> it's the opposite to Rolo. <laughs> well, after eating Rolos, you'd need this. Thank you for the toothbrush. There you go. You can't say I don't look it's, after you. It's lovely. Little boy blue. Look as well. Oral B. So it is 3D white. I'm chucking the other one out as soon as I go home. We were chatting about the toothbrush yesterday. And the recommendation is every three months, you should change your toothbrush. Um, there you go. Three months. It might seem like a short time frame, but there's uh, the recommendation recommendations from people that know I'm very very grateful I can't get, wait to get to use it now there you go so even that's, those people can't see each other's teeth anymore <laughs> with the face mask no you can't you're probably lucky <laughs> you can't see mine the jeepers do I regret eating all them gobstoppers and everything years ago ah you don't ah no I don't of course you're <laughs> right you're right L- Louise listen to this lovely I love getting posts you know that you do, yourself yeah. I'm a real I love receiving letters and correspondence and cards from listeners I really really do it's something that gives me a great kick and lift uh, in this job I have to say and this one has just come to me lovely handwriting I have to say listen to this and you might be able to help here listeners our late lunch listeners we're looking for your help I hope dear Jerry. I hope this finds you well I just wanted to say I sent two birthday cards on the 25th of February one to a friend in Tullamore which they got next morning that was just a card nothing else the other card was to Dublin in which there was a little money the card uh, was never delivered uh, and I know in my local post office, uh, the uh, both uh, letters went into the uh, post bag that day and went on their way. So I would say it went missing beyond the local post office for sure. I would like to know if this has happened to anybody else. I did write to the head of Unpost, but I didn't get any answer. Maybe he was too busy. And the uh, address on the card went to Glenamuck Road, Carrick Mines, Dublin, 18. And uh, no, I won't. I won't re- read out the name. That just finishes off. And thank you, Jerry, uh, for reading this for me in advance. Uh, delighted to read it in the post. Did you ever have any experience like that, Louise? Posting something with perhaps a little cash in it or something like that that didn't reach its destination or anything valuable? Uh, if I post cash I try and register it. Yeah. But I have I do know um some people have, have sent birthday money and stuff to yeah. you know, people I know and it hasn't arrived. And okay. it wouldn't be too from too far. And I know one girl when we were in Australia, her sister sent her money for her birthday, you know, because mm. Us students over there would have no money yeah. and never got it. It never got there no. either. God almighty, I'm sorry to hear that. I'd hope you'd get a reply from uh, the people on Unpost. Leave that one with us and we'll see what we when can do it, for you there. Could it uh, still be lost? You know, all these letters yes, are lost. Yes, that came in from Mary. Thanks, Mary. At 25th of February, March, April, we're nearly yeah. two months at this stage. I Long wouldn't time. think so. I wouldn't think so. Anybody out there with a similar experience of perhaps cash going... You, you, really, I have to say to everybody, Louise is right. If you're putting cash in, you should register it. And I got a lot of cash for Slab. You know that in envelopes here every day. Mm -hmm. I really did uh, doing the 40 days and nights. But you should register to be absolutely safe. Then you have a track on it. Ideally, you should draft or check. There's still such a thing as a check. I'm sure there is to send, you know, or electronically if you can transfer the money. I know people don't like to do that and it's handier to put the money in. Anybody out there experience anything similar with um, a little cash disappearing in a a postcard or a letter? If you register it and it gets lost, Mm. do you get reimbursed? 
Uh, that's a good question. Or is it just their Let's find out. Let's find out because you can register a letter. You can also get a certificate of postage. You know that as mm-hmm. well. That costs nothing. Uh, we'll we'll follow up on that and we'll Ring we'll Anna. see what the, what yeah what what the, is involved there. We will for sure. If you have a civil, similar experience or if you have something to say about that, I'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658. The post and cash and uh, cards etc. Let us know. But Louise is going to follow up on that. The different ways you can protect your valuables or whatever money we're talking about when it travels in the post. Interesting reaction to Mary's letter. Uh, She wrote to me and I I read it a little earlier on there about uh, posting money in uh, a card, posting money in a card and uh, not arriving at its destination. Kevin's been on to say, don't send cash in the post ever. Use technology to transfer. I suppose, Kevin, that's what the majority of us are doing. But for some people, it's still not something they're comfortable with or have grasped. But I do understand what you're saying, and it is the best way. Uh, card and money sent to my mam from the UK. It never arrived, Jerry. Uh, pity the bills don't disappear. I love that one. That's very clever. Uh, another one there. I know people who, when sending a birthday card with money, actually put the card into a brown envelope to disguise what it is, says another listener. And so on and so on they go. I will be back to them, I promise you. But we move on on late lunch today. Let me tell you my story. Um, I'm out and about the weekend doing my shopping in a major store. And there she is at number one in the charts. I look at the RT guide. She's staring out at me. She's in Woman's Way. The Sunday Independent. TV. Radio. Mother of God, what's happening? She's all over the place, but she's on late lunch with me now. Cathy Kelly, Hello. Hello, Jerry. It's Baraka. I am not being <laughs> sponsored, but it is Baraka. I, I was on a, a family Zoom there at lunch, and I and I I, I said, "Excuse me," and I went off, and I got another Baraka. And um, yeah, it's that. That's what it is. That's what's keeping me going. And and it's the same colour as the new book, which which um, it actually out. is. I have it here, sitting beside me, the bright orange. It is the same colour for sure. Well, listen, congratulations, book number twenty-one. You get the keys of the house now. Anyway, uh, other women. Women is when I was four, Jerry. <laughs> Other women is the name of the book, and it's a hell of a story. May I say to you, just concentrating on the book for a moment, you have three wonderful characters here: Sid, Marin, and B. And you know, Sid's story, uh, Kathy, and you've been speaking about this extensively because Sid was raped 15 years ago uh, and her long-term boyfriend has departed the scene and you'll have to get the book to pick up the story from there. But you had an encounter when you were very, very young, 20 years of age, that was really unsavoury of a sexual nature. She's the other woman. Is that other woman potentially you, you know, your story? No. Um, I wanted to write about it. I did actually write about it many, many years ago yeah. in another book. Um but I tell you what, about it must be three years ago that I think at the height of the the Me Too movement, I was doing an interview, and the person coming in to interview me had um, a copy of Time magazine, and I saw it, and I just got so triggered. It was it was to do with the Harvey Weinstein case, mm. and I just mm. suddenly blurted out, "Well, actually, you know, something similar happened to me when I was twenty, and I'd kept it to myself for years and years and years." And um, with this book, I decided I would write about it. And at this point, then people would know that something had happened to me like mm. this. Now, Sid's story mm. is not my story. Okay. Sid is this three characters. She's this sort of this spiky little one. And she's, you know, very high startle reflex. And she's 
you know, she she fell in love with this guy, but they they ran away together and they lived an unusual life together. And then he's gone out of her life and she figures it's just her and the couch cushions and, and TV from there on in. And it's about she hasn't moved on. She hasn't been able to move on from right. this um, very devastating experience. And and speaking personally, yes, what happened to me when I was 20 was a very devastating experience. But there is huge um there's huge help in talking about it, I think, yeah. and yeah. in in seeking support. And I've got I've had support and help over the years. I've had therapy over the years because I think you can't suffer any sort of sexual assault and 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 just block it down. I yeah. mean, you can yeah. block it down, but it's just still there. Yes. So, it's, you know, it's not as if you're ever going to quite forget that, but it is part of the rich tapestry of life and we try and move on. But if we mm. if we can move mm. on with therapy and help and with people understanding us it makes a big difference. Yes. So that's it was very important for me to 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 write about it. Yeah. And um and she's not like me, but she does have a pair of biker boots like me. I'm pretty keen on me. I biker boots. Not that I have a bike or anything, you know. But you're lucky. They don't make many bikes suitable for five foot women. <laughs> you could get one custom made. I'm absolutely sure of that. But here's, here's the thing about uh, about Sid and the story and what you mentioned there when you did speak about it eventually um did you carry it with you all that time and really just keep it to yourself was that really tough that had to be if you if you didn't talk about it for years and years yes i did i did keep it i mean there were very few people who did know about it yes but yeah i think when something like that happens i was 20 and this person was a lot older than me mm. and had sort of power over me so therefore um you feel a combination of many things. There's shame. There's if only I'd had known better. If only I'd known what to do. If only I, you know. So there's a lot of that in your head, and you know. And I'm I'm saying women here, but you know, men are abused, and uh, trans women are abused. You know. Yes. Um. So there's there's a lot of of uh, as we know any sort of sexual abuse. It's 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 not about sex. It's about power. Mm. So. There is fear. There is great fear. There is great shame. And let's face it, the judicial system on, is so much better, but it hasn't caught up yet, I think, with the concept of shame. I mean, you know, there was a case not that long ago, I think, in um, in Belfast, where the sort of knickers a woman was wearing was brought up in a trial. I mean, yes. it really, it, you know... Does that actually matter? When this thing happened to me, I was wearing, and I said this recently on a radio interview, I was wearing, it was winter, I was wearing a polo neck jumper and I was very keen on those sort of long um, knitted skirts that went down to your ankles and they probably probably went down to mid-calf on a normal human being, but I'm five foot. So I went down to my ankles. So literally there wasn't, I could have been a, but, but for the fact that I did not have the headscarf, I was dressed like a Muslim woman yeah. and it still happened to me. So yeah. it, this is not about, I went out, you know, wearing a mini skirt and it doesn't matter what you wear. Yeah. It's if somebody is a predator and that's just, they are, and they find the right sort of prey for want of a better word, that's where it goes. So yes, it's, it's hard to live with it and it's much better to get it out. And I think mm. it's very positive that people are talking about it. And I hope that, my talking about it helps people oh, because they, people look at me now and they think, oh, look, she's successful and yes. famous, all this sort of stuff. Yet then I was a 20 year old kid who knew nothing. So it can happen to all of us and we can carry it. But mm. 
I think you've done a real service to yourself, number one, and to so many others as well. Because when you read the character about Sid in this and you see perhaps an experience that you might have had in the story of somebody else, you know what I mean? And you understand then, God almighty, it's not just me. You know what I mean? It's... This has, you know, happened to somebody else. Do you think just back to, and I'll move on in a second because I don't want to get bogged down in this. Do you honestly think like it's 35 years ago, a different world today, not acceptable, tolerated and will be punished? Is that message clear enough for predators? No, I don't think it's clear enough for predators. Mm. Um, look at, um, there is a case going on that I I did an interview with uh, New Zealand or Australia, Australian radio recently, and there was a case where there was a was a woman who woke up naked in an office um, of the government buildings near the prime minister's office, and she had been raped. And you know, this still goes on, and she spoke about it, and it's created this huge movement in Australia. But this woman was in work and whatever happened, I don't know, but she woke up naked having been raped. And, you know, that's this is the year 2021. Mm. This still goes on. There's still people who think, you know, oh, she was, and I don't know the details of the case, but uh, I know some of them, which I, I won't discuss for libelous reasons, but, you know, oh, yes, of course she wanted it. She wanted it. Yeah. So things have changed. Things haven't changed enough. Yes. And I think it's very important that we, our schools are teaching young people, male and female, about consent, about what can happen. Because I I was very naive. I mean, I thought I I was very book smart, but I wasn't street smart. Mm. And you do need to be street smart because you will meet people in your life who are not kind and good who are predators so you know women and men we need to be ready for them yeah so yeah i think we've a bit of way to go yes important message to take on board and listen to and understand going forward are you a shopaholic as marin is (laughs) no marin is this character who it looks like she has everything and she Mm. has the handsome husband and the two kids and you know she's a great job but she has that thing that some women have which is that if only I had the correct, you know, jacket stroke, pair of jeans stroke, pair of, you know, shoes, then I would be perfect. And I think that's a that's a message that sold a lot to women. You know, I mean, we, we need the right thing. It's like the right face cream. If I had the right face cream, I wouldn't be wrinkly. Or if I had the right these new runners, I'd be fabulous. And so we are sold a lot of that. And it's very easy if you're unhappy to sort of, you know, uh, try and fill the hole with, with, with shopping. And a lot of women, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, I'm very keen on, I like shopping myself, but I'm very careful. I will, you know, I might go into uh, Penny's and they're, they're wonderful supporters of UNICEF. And I might go in and go, okay, um, I've got 30 quid here. I'd buy some pajamas and then I'll buy some fluffy socks. And oh, there's a necklace. I'll buy that. And I, and I get my kick that way. But the, I mean, there've been plenty of times in the past when I have had a big event coming up and I go, oh, nothing to wear and it's all about impressing people yeah i will say though that at the grand old age of 54 
and having now gone out um, and I'm, you might be able to see me, although I can't see you, I'm holding up my um, gardening clogs, which I, I, they haven't actually seen any gardening work, but those plastic gardening clogs, and you can normally get them in green. Yeah. They didn't have them in green in my size, so I had them in purple. Oh, yeah. So I wear them all the time around the house and I even wear them out. I don't care anymore. I'm like way beyond caring. Like, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Louise loves them, my producer. She's looking at them there as well. There may be a order going in this evening. I'm not sure. But here, listen, this Can last year, this last tenor year, what, which, tell me? A tenor in Woodies. A tenor in Woodies. There you are, Louise. Cheap at the price. But tell me, this last year, you know, look, look at the way normally you'd be down here with me and we'd be chatting face to face and everything. Look at the way the world has changed. You don't have to really bother too much, uh, you know, about dolling up or getting dressed. Do you miss that? No, not at all, actually. Um, it's sort of, it's very weird. I had to do breakfast television and I've had to do a few photos, a couple of photos. Oh, you're lovely. Uh, you're lovely. I was looking at them in the Sunday in the bed. I, I just want to say to you, your hair is gorgeous. I only, well, you know, there's, yeah, I, there's a bit of, uh, there's a bit of brown. There's a lot of, you know, white, what's you call that stuff? No, Bright no, shampoo. no, no. Don't be saying that. Bright you're lovely. Who had gone to the hair that day now, it has to be said, because <laughs> when the lockdown was first declared, Every time I went to the supermarket, I bought a new hair dye because I was I was in fear. I'm very low maintenance, but by God, the hair has to be blonde. I know. So it, it did have some orange incarnations, it has to be said, because toner is very important. Oh, the book. Look at the book. I have the book. It's orange. The Baroque is orange. The hair is orange. Look, what about it? It's orange all the way. The hair. The hair was very orange once, I'm telling you. But you can get, that, and it used to be like the, the lovely shampoo years ago after a hair dye experiment of my own, my hair went orange and I went into the Peter Mark next door to Sunday World when I worked there and I said, will you fix me hair? And they went, no, we're not touching it. But they gave me a bottle of purple shampoo, which when it rained sort of dripped down your face. But um, that's how you get rid of the orange or else you use really good toner. I've got fierce good to toner now. But uh, no, I... I, I don't mind anymore. I'm like, mm. look, you know what? I, I don't need any more clothes. I've loads of clothes. Um, it has been a strange year, though, on a lot of on a lot of levels. I mean, but we've all, I mean, apart from the horrendous negatives, so many beautiful people have lost their lives. So many families have been, you know, hurt. Uh, my own godfather was in hospital there and no one could go in and see him. Mm. You know, he's down the West and he got out today, which is wonderful. Um, lovely matching but you know I, I'm sort of thinking now how can I get down the west to see Matt and I can't yeah. I actually can't get down to but see you, will. you will it, you will you will you will I know but I want to go down now <laughs> hey Cathy don't we all you know the May fly fishing is coming on the lakes in the west I love my fly fishing and I can't go this year for the second year don't get me started on that stuff okay. because I'll crack up altogether. anyway just before we let you go um you know, book number 21, and there it is, flying high again. I have to say, you have the Midas touch, folks. This book is brilliant because in the three characters, I say again, they are so different and they all have their own stories and there's everything you want in this book, believe me. Um, how do you do it consistently? What is... Tell me, tell us today. There's only you and me. What's the I secret? Don't, do you know what? I don't know. I mean, I'm very driven and I'm very hard on myself, Jerry. Neither of which are, are whatever about being driven. And I don't mean driven around. I mean, I'm very driven and I'm very hard on myself, which is actually not a positive. Um, so I have to keep pushing myself all the time. It's like that Beckett. And this will be the only comparison I will make, make between myself and Beckett is that, you know, try again, fail again, fail better. And I keep trying to do 
better every time. There's something in me that says, gosh, I must I must try harder, I must try harder. But this one starts with a sort of a cliffhanger, which is is, is new to me. So we see a woman who goes into hospital because her husband has had a heart attack and she gets there and there's a nurse saying, we better let the do- doctor talk to the wife. And suddenly this other woman appears and that's the woman the doctor thinks is the wife, but she's not. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we start on a cliffhanger here. I'm I'm moving into cliffhangerdom. It's great fun, Jerry. And I can tell them you have to read right through to get to the end, but <clears throat> don't yeah. be expecting the usual at the end. That's all I'll say. I'm not saying any more. <laughs> I'll just leave it with you to ponder. You know what? You're just great, and I miss you so much. And I've I always enjoyed every you, time. Jerry, listen. This time next year, be normal. Please God, normal. Please. I mean, Please I'm not God. saying I'll be normal. <laughs> Indeed, and you will, sure, aren't you? Just as normal as the next person. And that's what we all love about Cathy Kelly. I wish you well with the book, folks. It's riding high, number one. You'll love it, I promise you. Delivered during lockdown. It will inspire, you'll cry, you'll laugh, you'll do everything. It's called Other Women. Congratulations on 21. Here's to the next 21. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Love you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Cathy Kelly there. Other women authors. She's fantastic. She really is. It's a wonderful book. Will I give it to you today or will I hold on to Book Club Friday? I might hold it till Friday. And then we'll have a little collection of books to give to all our listeners on Friday. I'll hold it for Friday if you don't mind because I have a few and we can make a little, uh, a little pack and look after a few people with the books. I will have that book up for grabs on Late Lunch with Margaret Madden and Book Club on Friday. Jerry, I sent a postal order to Bernardo's Children's Charity but they never received it and I'm really annoyed about it. Good God Almighty. That's a strange one there, to be sure. I have more of your messages. Louise has been on to on post uh, in the last uh, few minutes or so, and you do have some information from them, Louise. We were speaking to Anna McHugh from on post earlier, and obviously she can't comment on that individual case. Um, she doesn't know all the details. But a few things she did point out. Uh, they advised never to send cash. Uh, and she asks that lady to contact Unpost and report it if she hasn't already done so. Its customer service would like to know about any outstanding post. There could be all kinds of reasons from shared post boxes to apartment blocks on the other on the other side that might have, you know, might have went astray. Um, also, Unpost has a department for lost post and every day are reuniting post with rightful owners. She also asks for anyone sending uh, cards, parcels, please, please put a return address on any um, packaging. Okay. And if you are registering the post, somebody in the post office will advise you on varying degrees of cover you can avail in. So you might be able to get reimbursed or whatever. Okay, that's that's, that's the advice she's given. Uh, That's really good to hear. And and, and, and that's important to to, uh, consider before you again put uh, cash into the post. John Connolly's been on. He worked with on post for 40 years. Hello, John. Nice to hear from you today. Uh, How often are we told, Jerry? never send money in a birthday card or any other letters. If you send it by postal order or register it, you do have some comeback. And that is a fact. Betty was on to say uh, that when she is sending money in the post for birthdays, 
case. She puts the money into the birthday card, into its own envelope, and puts that into a brown business envelope so that nobody would know actually what's within the envelope. And she just wanted to make the point that it's expensive sometimes to uh, register, often, you know, uh, taking away. It can uh, be dependent on what the money yes. you have in it. Yeah. yeah. Carmel was on from Drogheda to say she sorted out boxes of photographs and posted them out to uh, the people they belong to in a nice card. Her niece was one of these people who received the card, but the photos were gone. God, what use would photos, when you think of it, Louise, be to anybody? She sealed the envelopes, posted them with great care, uh, but those went missing and she doesn't have copies of them. That's sad to hear. It really is. So I think the message today is uh, draft, Louise, postal order. Postal orders are there still, yeah? You can get yeah, postal orders, yeah? yeah. Uh, you know, a cheque or electronically as well. You need to be careful. That's uh, the message. But look, on post want to hear from you. If you've lost money, and Mary, who sent in that letter to me initially there, I'd go back to them on that, you know. Oh, she said even even if it's not a registered letter, just contact okay. on post either they want by to phone know. or through the website yes. or even just drop down to the post office because yes. they just want to know. You never know. It could be in the lost and found in somewhere along the way. It could indeed. It really could. Keep your messages coming to us on late lunch this afternoon. Did you see the picture I posted on the bee? Did you see my bee photo? Gorgeous. You were right up and close oh, and personal, weren't God you? God Almighty, if you're around Facebook and you can access, have a look. At late yesterday evening, it was late, it was just uh, getting dull and I heard the buzzing round. I have a couple of apple trees trained to the wall and they're full, full of flower at the moment. I could hear the buzzing. And normally, like, they scoot off. But maybe it was the time of evening. Let me get right in with the phone to take the pictures. But you can actually see the bee, can't you? Yeah. You know, doing their job in the flower. Pollinating and taking what they need Mm -hmm. with them as well. Amazing. You can nearly see their little character, can't you? Yeah, you can nearly see their eyes and the face of the bee. I was was thrilled with it when I took them and had a look at them back. And I said, I just fire them up on the Facebook today. And people are enjoying them. But it's lovely to see. And remember, without the bees, well... I tell you one thing, as a human beings, we'd be in trouble. They do such wonderful work in pollinating all over the world. And they're under threat from us, from us. They sustain us and yet we threaten them, isn't it? Just, it just doesn't add up. It really doesn't. Today, to find your next car. One of our most valued regulars joins me on the show now to answer your questions. I'm delighted to say hello again to vet Sinead Kelly. Hello, Sinead. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. Straight to business. I have questions in for you already. Hi, Jerry. Could you ask Sinead? We have a terrier, and lately when he does his poop, there is a white jelly stuff he's passing. Why would this be? Does he need a worm dose? And his feces are quite stinky. So the kind of slimy kind of um, white layer is what we would kind of term, you know, scientifically as because of mucus. And whenever you have kind of mucus or slime or kind of jellyish stuff in the feces, um, it suggests that you maybe have a problem with the with the large intestine, uh, what we would also call the colon or, or the lower bowel. Um, and so there's a number of different causes of, of, of that. So basically um, conditions that are affected or that affect the, the large intestine or the colon, um, they would be under a general term of colitis um, and there's a number of different triggers for this kind of colitis which would literally be inflammation or irritation of the large intestine which is the lower part of the bowel which extends um, from the end of the small intestine uh, to the anus so essentially it's a kind of latter part of the intestine and essentially um, conditions or, or triggers for that kind of um, type of problem sometimes it's something as simple as a, as a parasite burden so certainly regular worming every three months we advise for adult dogs is a very good idea 
Um, more commonly, though, it tends to be related to a lot of the time what we would describe as dietary indiscretion, which is a very fancy term for uh, dogs getting hold of something that doesn't really agree with their with their their gut. Um, and so, if they get hold of maybe some particularly fatty food, or maybe food that's spoiled or gone off, or even just something as simple as food that they're they're normally not used to. So if you think of most dogs are on quite a set, rigid diet, and so if they suddenly raise the rubbish bin or, or get things they're not normally used to, that can be enough to trigger um, the large intestine or sometimes as well the small intestine. But this presence of what we call kind of mucus in the bowel motions, um, also sometimes what you get is the passage of lots of small little bits of feces rather than kind of one or two kind of large voluminous bouts of, of diarrhea or feces during the day. So that was the second um, kind of cause would be like dietary indiscretion. Then you can also get um, what we'd call um, kind of um, dietary allergies or hypersensitivities or like an intolerance. Um, and so some animals would maybe be allergic to certain um, types of food. So in the same way that humans can have like a gluten allergy, then dogs can be allergic, say, to wheat or can be allergic to chicken or to beef or, or one of any, you know, whole host of things. Um, and then the last kind of category would be conditions that we we would describe as, as kind of inflammatory bowel disease or infiltrative gut disease and, and from, from a kind of a human perspective the one that most humans would have heard of would be something like, like Crohn's disease which mm. is basically an immune mediated condition whereby uh, inflammatory cells, white blood cells migrate to, to the human's large intestine, they make the, the wall of the intestine very kind of leaky and inflamed and so the, the human would have say abdominal pain, diarrhea they'd pass blood and mucus and things like that so again you can get tight of, of colitis or IBD affecting dogs. So that's kind of four big categories. So parasites, um, uh, eating some food they shouldn't have, an actual true kind of food allergy um, or what we call the inflammatory bowel disease. So normally in life, um, common things are common. So I normally say to people, if it's just a once-off, so if, if the dog passed a bowel motion like that and the next time he went to the toilet, it was absolutely fine, I wouldn't be hugely worried about it. Because dogs are such consummate scavengers, um, because they can get hold of any little bit of, of rubbish or, or, or nonsense in the park or in the bin. Uh, sometimes you know, dogs will maybe just have one episode of diarrhea or one episode of a little bit of mucus or fresh blood in the feces. I would never get in a panic over one episode as long as the dog is bright, eating, not vomiting, you know, it, it seems systemically well. If you're having issues where the dog is passing mucus repeatedly, well then that suggests there is some kind of inflammation of the large bowel. So certainly number one, you can get your dog wormed. Uh, again, I would always say go to um, the, the record big pet stores or go to the vet to get um, the, the officially kind of licensed um, wormers. The problem is, like most things in, in kind of medicine, um, and it's, it's no different when we deal with parasites, is that um, from an evolutionary biology point of view, a lot of the worms and parasites become, uh, over time, they become immune to the anthelmintics or the wormers that we would use. So the, the kind of maybe smaller pet shops or the supermarkets aren't always licensed to sell the most effective treatments, the most up-to-date treatments. So I would, you know, your first portal call is, is going to be probably your vet or some of the very big um, you know, pet superstores who, who now actually do have very good uh, tailored information from, from their trained uh, consultants and they can advise you about, about the best way to worm the dog. Once you've eliminated worms, then you're looking at, well, is it something that dog has eaten? So you may know yourself, oh yeah, he got hold of a bit of a rasher or a sausage or he raided the bin or he got something. Again, for a lot of dogs, it might just be a one-off on their ground. 
If it's persisting, you know, beyond two or three bowel motions, I would definitely contact the vet. Or if it's accompanied with some blood, um, and if it's accompanied with a dog seeming to have a sore tummy. Um, so sore tummies in dogs, sometimes they're characterized by the dog kind of walking uncomfortably, the kind of back is arched, the tummy's a bit tucked up. Sometimes they look around at their tummy. Sometimes they're upset if their owner tries to touch their tummy or picks them up and put their hands in their tummy. Uh, sometimes the dog is just a little bit off and uncomfortable. Um, or, or again, if they're accompanied by uh, the dog maybe being off his food or vomiting, definitely contact your vet. Whatever you do, don't leave it until the dog's been doing this for two or three weeks, which some people sometimes do, because in that period then you'll get kind of uh, chronic changes affecting the lining of the gut, and it's going to take a lot longer to get the dog feeling better and back to normal. So one episode, don't be worried about it. If it's gone beyond two or three bowel motions and or it's accompanied by, by vomiting, loss of appetite, the dog clearly being unwell, then definitely speak to your vet. Okay, thanks indeed. Sinead. Great advice there. Now, let me uh, bring you the next one. <clears throat> Excuse me. My cat was at the vets for an operation away from home for five days. She's back since Friday last. But my other two cats have now rejected her. Why is this? What okay, can I do? Yeah, yeah, it's not that unusual, actually. So if we think about it, um, I mean, cats, number one, are really, really territorial creatures. So the cat disappearing off for five days and then coming back, even without having been to the vets, there will have been a slight shift in the territoriality of, of the, the kind of social status of the, of the three cats in, in the first cat's absence. And then on top of that, the cat will come back smelling of other people, smelling maybe of other cats, smelling of dogs, smelling of disinfectant, of antiseptic, of meds. So it's not unusual for cats to be, the other cats to be a little bit freaked out. Um, so normally with time, these things will settle. One thing that's very, very beneficial, you can get, uh, from, again, from the big pet stores or from your vet, you can get a thing called a feelyway diffuser. Um, and it basically is this uh, cat appeasing pheromone um, that is produced either by a little plug-in diffuser. Um, and, and basically that kind of calms and relaxes the other cats and tends to reduce stress quite well. So um, I would probably go with something like that, trying for some kind of uh, feelyway diffuser. Uh, again, the other things is just the simple common things. Make sure that there is a food bowl and a water bowl for each cat. Make sure there's a litter tray for each cat. I know a lot of houses, a lot of families will maybe just have one big litter tray for the three cats. Um, even if one cat hasn't been missing for a while or there's no change to the, the social status, um, it's actually better that there are three trays available. Much as we don't like having three trays all over the house, um, because cats tend to, I, t- I say tend to be, because my own cats aren't like this at all, but cats tend to be quite private about going to the toilet. Uh, they tend to be quite discreet and so if maybe one cat wants to go to the bathroom when the other one is in there already it can lead to a little bit of stress and then it can lead to maybe the other cat not wanting to go in and then ending up with with other problems so make sure the simple things are there so that there's you know three sets of everything and also there's separate places where the cats can go to hide and and to to be in a sulk or just to kind of get their own space kind of thing but I would say just with a little bit of time making sure that there's resources for each cat um, and again with the feelyway diffuser um, you should be able to dissipate any kind of you know stress related to that cat being away it'll all settle itself out now another one on uh, the four-legged friends uh, our uh, canine friends uh, six days ago our dog was neutered he has the proverbial cone on his head yeah. and he's going mad to take oh, it off yeah. and this message says uh, the wound is healing but perhaps just not fully healed mm. yet should i leave the cone on or give in yeah, so unfortunately, we all hate the cones. The dogs hate the cones. The owners hate the cones. The vets hate the cones. Uh, but the problem is that 
um, because obviously, especially with a, a male having been neutered, it's obviously a very sensitive area. Until it's 100% healed, it is going to feel a little bit itchy, maybe a little bit inflamed. And so the dog's natural, natural instinct, as soon as that cone comes off, is going to be to have a lick. Now, if they would just lick once every couple of hours and leave it be in between, that would be great. But they tend not to. They tend to become obsessive and they lick and lick and lick. And within about half an hour, they can have, A, have the whole wound opened up and B, have what we would call like a wet eczema or a pyoderma where they've caused it to be infected and inflamed and really sore. And then it becomes a real problem because then you have an area that is infected and inflamed that is trying to recover from surgery. So absolutely on no account take that butcher collar off. Now, what I would say, normally we would say for, say, a, a, a neutering 10 days after the original surgery, uh, the dog will be invited back to the vet either for stitches out or if they were buried under the skin stitches just to get a, a final check by the vet or the nurse to check the wound is healed. Now, if you're finding the kind of more rigid buster collar cone very annoying, which they can be, there are a few other different options. Uh, you can have a look um, in the big superstores, again, the big pet superstores. They have these things called boo-boo collars, which are inflatable. Now, again, I would say now they're kind of soft and they're, they're made of, of uh, kind of cloth or material. It's like a big kind of rubber ring around the dog's neck. Now, for some dogs, they work brilliantly. For all dogs, they're much more comfortable than the rigid cone. But for some dogs, they're still able to get around it. So if you decide to go for an alternative kind of cone, whether it's one of the kind of, you know, flatter kind of collapsing cloth ones or whether it's an inflatable one, if you're going to switch cones, do it when you're in the room with the dog and you can sit and watch and see what's happening. I wouldn't, whatever you do, change cone when you're going to bed or when you're going out and then you come back or you wake up in the morning and the whole thing is destroyed. So so certainly have a look, have a chat, um, either with your vet or with, uh, say, somebody in, in the big pet superstores for an alternative kind of collar. But, you know, definitely whatever happens you know it's you're probably if it was six days ago you've only got about four or five days left so just try and stick with it the other thing i find is that sometimes people decide that they'll take the collar off say for eating or going for a walk because uh, they'll give the dog a break which sounds great in theory but then you have the palaver of trying to get the blooming thing back on again and the dog is like very wise to it now and also then the dog is really confused because they just don't understand why it's on and off and on and off and, and the thing about dogs that i love is they just are great acceptors so eventually they just kind of accept things and they go okay mum and dad have gone mad I have a stupid hat on I really don't like it but they will accept it so you know they're not going to disintegrate or pass out because they've busted colour on for 10 days yeah. um, you know if now they should be able to eat by you can actually direct the kind of rim of the collar over the, the, the food bowl or if you have to for a few days hand feed the dog you know so the most important thing is just keeping that wound protected because males in particular because it's so sensitive, if they get to make a mess of that, they really do make a mess of that. And it can just take weeks and weeks and weeks and afterwards to heal. So stick with it. Only a few more days to go. That's it. And you'll be all the better for it, yeah, Sinead. Yeah. I have to leave it there for today. Thank you so much. You're absolutely brilliant. And thank you for uh, facilitating us again and answering all those queries uh, from our listeners. We'll talk to you again absolutely. in the next You're month. You're very welcome, Jerry. I'll talk Thanks, to you Thanks, Sinead. Take care. No worries. Bye-bye. 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 That's vet Sinead Kelly there. Simply brilliant she is and she'll be back with us please God again in the month of May Late Lunch LMFM Radio the Glen Campbell story will be continuing with me after three and we're making a, a visit we're paying a visit to Ballamacenny Farm stay with us here on Late Lunch Jerry got a lovely message in there for you go on from Mina Curran hi Mina down in Kells ah oh, Mina's lovely and she said Jerry can I just say that I've been listening to you for years and I love you and the show 
but in particularly over the last year and all this COVID and lockdowns, you have provided an escape for people and an outlet for people. You're one in a million and you certainly brighten my day. Ah, oh, Mina, oh. thank you so much. That's really nice. Words like that, you know, they mean so much to me. Honestly, they really do. They touch me deeply, so they do. And I thank you for that. And if you can brighten one person's day, any day, I think you've done a really, really good job. And uh, thank you for those lovely, kind words. I really do appreciate them. Um, we have have questions for Sinead that we've held over and I will put them to our next month. Sorry we didn't get to them today on the show, but I will keep them safely until she's with us again. My God, that letter from Mary has provoked uh, a fair response, I have to say, from listeners about uh, the post service today but just before I mention those look there's been somebody on uh, about bingo and you know the bingo's coming back next Monday 400 euro every day 5,000 jackpot in the middle of the week National Council for the Blind being supported by the bingo here on LMFM Radio and there's a huge interest in it and there's loads of shops selling them remember you can get the books lmfm.ie online is the best way to get them but they're all over the place uh, today's local in Denor and County Mead they have them Quigley's Mace on the Carrick Road in Dundalk Spar on Main Street and then Lear. There's loads of them there, but lmfm.ie, you can get your books there. There are people on saying, why aren't the books, uh, you know, in King's Court? Why aren't they in Carrick Macross? You have to understand, they're in our area. They're in Louthan Mead, you know, this area, our franchise area, and going outside like the area is a, an issue for us and that's the reason so you just have to get them from the nearest shop to you when we've loads of listeners outside the LMFM borders we know that and we love you and we appreciate you as well but you'll have to get the books online get them online that's the best way to do it now Louise on post back to Unpost again and our Louise brought you the clarifications if you're sending if you have to send uh, cash in the post here's a mags on to say Jerry, it happened to me sent a card there was a card sent to me from the north of Ireland there was a couple of bob in it, but it never arrived. That was coming in the other direction. Sadly, says Bernie, Jared, this uh, happened to me on a few occasions. Birthday cards with money never getting to their destination. That's Bernie and Kells this afternoon. Uh, we have another one there coming in from Eric in Dundalk. He uh, sent a registered letter to England to buy a Marty Robbins DVD with 25 uh, pounds in it or euro never got to its destination sorry to hear that and so on and so on they go you have more there haven't you yeah yeah um, that lady actually just rang in just to clarify the lady that sent you the letter oh Mary yeah, is it? yeah. she just said um, that she went to register the, but it was 8 euro which okay. you know compared to the money that she was sending was a little bit expensive and she did before she contacted yourself she wrote to the head of the postal department um, she says she never got a reply back. So, oh, okay. Um, I did advise her on customer services and gave a number and she's going to get back to us. Yes, and I think the message again is be very careful. Be reluctant, honestly. You should be the last resort to put money in the post. That's what we're saying to you. Do register, do whatever you have to do and do let on post know. If your letter doesn't arrive or there's something in it or it doesn't come to you from somewhere else, they want to hear from you. That's the message. They want to know. Still to come on the show? Yes, after three, the Glen Campbell story continuing. We're tipping uh, into Ballamackenny Farm for a few moments as well. But taking us to news, weather and sport at three, 
It's Gabriella. I'm not going to pronounce her surname because I'll probably pronounce it wrong. Anyway, sweet about me. Stay sweet with us on Late Lunch. Hi, Jerry. I agree with Mina. I'm working from home. I'm a young listener. I love listening to your show. You bring brilliant positivity every day. Look, thanks so much for the lovely messages. I really do appreciate them. Whoever you are, thanks for getting in touch and uh, taking trouble to send us in that message as well. Uh, hey, Jerry. Uh, the bees are going to love me. Look at the bloom of dandelions I have. I heard this on your show last year and I made sure that I'd leave the dandelions alone this spring and the bees just love them and they love them they do that's a beautiful picture there dandelions all over the place and you're looking after the bees we were talking about the bee a little while ago there hi Jerry. Uh, just to let you know I had an ongoing complaint with Unpost a few weeks ago uh, well, there was more than a two-week delay in post getting to me. Uh, they did investigate and there was an unprecedented delay in the Drogheda sorting office. It's been sorted out and uh, all my postal items are up to date, uh, says David in Drogheda this afternoon. Thank you indeed for that. I see Louise laughing in there. Can can you stop laughing and read it or will I read it? I You can't read it, can you? Have, have you lost it? <laughs> no, yeah, you read it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Hold on a minute, I'll have to get the winkers on to read it. Hold on a second. I wrote a letter to Santa Claus 43 years ago asking for a rally chopper bike. He obviously never got the letter as I never got a rally chopper. At the time I did report it to the post office, they just laughed at me. I left the post office in tears. Would it be worth my while reporting it again? Says a sad 53-year-old, where's me bike? It's <laughs> brilliant, Louise, isn't it? Oh, that's, that, that's, that's brilliant. That's, that's the, the message of the week to late lunch this week. It certainly is. Whoever you are, you're brilliant. And you've made us laugh and smile on the show today. I just want to remind you, the soccer, the Premier League. What will happen? When the Super Six, the Sneaky Six leave. Anyway, the Premier League, you can listen on the LMFM app or click uh, the uh, Listen tab on the LMFM website. This weekend, Liverpool, Newcastle at half 12. Newcastle are going well. And then later in the evening, it's the London Derby between West Ham and Chelsea before the coverage is rounded off with relegated Sheffield United against Brighton at 8 o'clock. Premier League live with now only pay for the games that matter to you your sport on your terms with now big weekend of Premier League action in store now Glenn Campbell he is my artist of the week I hope he got his bike from Santi when Glenn was a little fella I, I take it he did anyway Glenn's teaming up with producer Al Delory was significant in terms of his career because he was floundering until the song I played yesterday, Gentle On My Mind, which was produced by Al. It became, of course, an overnight success. Uh, and then by the time I get to Phoenix, followed that same year. That was 1967 with Wichita Lineman charting then for 15 weeks the following year in 1968. He won four Grammy Awards. He was nominated did you know this? Glenn Campbell for an Academy Award and Golden Globe for the theme song to the movie True Grit, in which he also starred. He was so talented, this fella. He secured his own TV show, which ran from 1969 to 1972, hosting a who's who in the world of music. All the names that appeared on that show of the time were just something else. And it was called his Good Time Hour show. The late 60s and 70s saw Glenn's star shine brightly and I want to reprise a song that was a big hit for Glenn in 1969, the lyrics of which ring true 
more than ever today. If you see your brother standing by the road Mr. Glenn Campbell, my artist of the week, and try a little kindness. And it is a message we should all try to take with us every day of our lives. I know at times we're tested and many things are sent to test us, but kindness is just one of the greatest gifts you can have and to show to another human being. And I love that song of Glenn Campbell's. And we'll be back with more about Glenn and another fine tune of his tomorrow on Late Lunch, round about this time. Now, Bella McKenney Farm have been uh, great friends of ours on Late Lunch and its involvement over the years. It's been part of the story of this show and we're heading to Bella McKenney Farm next and we're going to be joined by Maria Flynn. I'd say she's just had to excuse herself for a few moments to have a chat with yours truly. Delighted to say hello again to Maria Flynn at Bella McKenney Farm. Hello, Maria. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. The reason we are talking is I just wanted to say a big congratulations to you because, I don't know, that trophy cabinet of yours, you're going to have to double the size of it. The Irish Food Writers Guild Award. Tell them about this award and what it means to you. Oh, Jerry, it's been an amazing few days. Um, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I feel like we've finally got where we wanted to be. You know, we started mm. this six years ago. We've had some amazing awards over the years and every one of them cherished, I can tell you for sure. Uh, the Food Writers Guild Award uh, was, I don't know, there's something special about it, you know, and um, it's coming from people who know about food, who write about food, who take food very seriously and, the you know, especially Irish food. And uh, the people that are in the Guild, I think there's over 60 members in it, but the, the calibre of people in the Guild, you know, that they actually knew about us, talked about us, ate our potatoes, and then decided to award us is incredible for us, really is. It's, mm. it's been a bit like Christmas the last few days. You might have been listening earlier. A fellow who was in touch was didn't get a bike 40-something know, years yeah. ago. You heard it all right anyway. Well, at least the award didn't come in the post, Jerry. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I, I just want to mention that some of the names on the guild that you mentioned there, the likes of the Allens, Doreen, of course, the Diane and mm. Rachel, John mm. and Sally McKenna, the names are, the, are a who's who who's involved you know in this industry and I want to tell listeners as well you are nominated for this by somebody else you don't know that you're actually nominated and the voting is strictly confidential the way it's done so everything is so pristine about the way this award is made I'm delighted for you because you mentioned six years I remember talking to you and many times since at the start of this journey and it really really is great hey you're doing something as well I want to talk about in case I forget (laughs) tell me about the potato in the pot Potato. Oh, yes. So, you know, potato planting time and all the rest of it. So quite shortly now, we'll have some pots at the shack. You know, we have the drive-through spud shack at the farm. And it's just for the kids, really, Gerry. Um, where, you know, we'll have some pots with some seed potatoes planted in them. Now, I'm not going to tell them what varieties in it, so they'll get a nice surprise of the colours and everything else. 
when the potatoes start to grow, but they've got to look after these pots themselves and grow the potatoes themselves. And look, it's just a little interaction with the with our customers' kids, you know, and, and give them an idea of what happens and how potatoes grow. Mm, so so there you are. I think it's a great idea and yeah. it's educating children and it's giving them an interest. So if you call to the spud jack and you buy, your little ones will get a pot with a spud and they can nurture it and grow their own and learn about potatoes as well. Yeah. And talking about learning, the sp- never mind the spud Jack, the spud chats. You're you're uh, enlightening people online that there's more to life than rooster. Yes, well, that's been the thing for the last six years, hasn't it? Mm. And I think people think because of that, um, I don't like rooster. I think, uh, you know, rooster is always going to be here. It's a, yeah. it's a it's a really well-bred potato and certainly has its place in our market for sure. So it's not that I don't like it. It's just that there's so many other varieties out there we can be eating and talking about and discussing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think we lost that somewhere along the way. That's all. Yeah, and you know about all those beautiful varieties, the red Emily, the pink fur apple. Oh, don't get me started. The Mayan gold. There's such a a, a treasure trove of gold that you have and that you grow on the beautiful land there but let me ask you this in the context and I know we have spoken in the last year but you're we're a year beyond COVID now and we're hoping to emerge please God much more so over the coming weeks and months in time for the potato harvest but here's the thing um, are you still out of the woods or should I stay out of the fields in terms of business because look at all you lost yeah, I mean, I like to, the, the, uh, the Food Writers Guild Award is just phenomenal. And, you know, we've been, we've been extremely lucky in the last, well, in the last six years, but particularly in the last year, um, in terms of coverage that we get for what we do, mm. you know, and, you know, how many times have we been speaking to you? We've been, we've been in newspaper articles and magazines and it's, it's all really, really good. And, it's happened a lot in the last year and I, I get why. It's been a good news story in the face of COVID. It is a good news story. Do you know, I keep going on to this thing in my mind. Do you ever read, um, you know, Taylor Two Cities and yes. your opening line and it's, it's been the best of times and it's been the worst of times. Yeah. It's how I sum it up because my business wasn't set up to, everyone has a business model when they go into business. Our business model isn't into retail. Mm. It's into hospitality mm. and our price points, everything are geared towards that. So we had a choice to make. We had potatoes to sell. And you know yourself, Jerry. it's tons of potatoes. It's, yeah. you know, you, you, they, they, you can't leave, they have to be sold. Mm. You, you know, you, they have to go, they have to be sold. So we had to make a decision to try and build a retail market for them. But it's not really what we're set up to do. So although we're more than grateful for it, and I can't stress that enough. Um, it still has headaches for us. You know, springtime on a farm is a hugely expensive time, yeah. you know, and um, we just weren't prepared for this and we've got through it, I suppose is the best way, but we've still, we've got headaches and it's very easy to give the headlines of your awards and you know, we've sold this much, we've done this much. It's very easy to do that, but I'm cognizant of the fact that people listening and reading about us even, um, there are two sides to every story. And there are two, there, you know, and yes, one side of our story is magnificent, but there's another side where there's a lot of dark clouds, you know, yes. and a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety. So I don't want to give the impression that COVID has you know, yeah. made our business. It's far from the truth. We we need, we, we desperately need 
our chefs to be back in order to keep doing what yes. we're doing. So yes. we're just getting by, Jerry. you know. Yeah, but, yeah. but look, having a bit of fun in the meantime. Yeah, <laughs> I love your honesty and, and it's always been a feature of you and what you do there, mm-hmm. yourself and David and, and uh, Bala McKinney Farm. You're, you're straight up and, and it is a fact. Your model was built on the hospitality, on the restaurants yeah. and mm-hmm. you do need that back. But it's been great with the spud shack and the yeah, online stuff yeah. and mm-hmm. all that type of thing that, that has emerged from it. But there yeah. are two sides to the biscuit as they say. Everyone anyway, just have to keep holding on yes. tight, Jerry, you yeah, know. That's you know, it. That's, that's, it. That's, that's, that's the thing. Well, listen, I'll let you back there. I hear mumblings yeah. in the background. Thank you so much for taking our call and congratulations to Bally McKenney Farm Irish Food Writers Guild Award winners. Thanks, Jerry. Talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the lovely Maria Flynn there talking to me live from Bally McKenney Farm. Oh, God, I want to get out in the fields again. I do. Out in the field interviewing people and talking to them on the ground as well. Please, God, it will happen soon. Anyway, that's our lot on Late Lunch for this Tuesday afternoon. Let me tell you that tomorrow on the show, we have a very special guest. You know him if you've been listening to Late Lunch the last year. He's Pat Harty. A year ago tomorrow, Pat was carted into hospital with covid And was so lucky to come through what he experienced. A year on, how is he? We're going to find out tomorrow. Fergus Grimes is with us. What a story he has. Applied for job after job with no success. And now he's developed an app. And it's a special one. It's all to do with the GAA. We're going to hear that story. And Niall Hatch is here. I saw, I mentioned yesterday, saw me for Swallows or Martins the, the day before on the Sunday. Want to talk about them. The migratory birds, our friends from Africa, are here and arriving all over the place. I love Niall. He's with us tomorrow. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with the drive. He's a stellar lineup of music for you over the next couple of hours. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely Tuesday evening. It's a date. We'll see you back here for late lunch tomorrow, Wednesday, midweek at 1.30. Take care. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Attention all van drivers. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast. Our van specialist, Danny at Blackstone Motors, will find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. We offer same-day business finance. Call Danny or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more information. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.